0: Welcome to the Pastor's Cut. This week we are joined by Forest Glen Pastor Dan Osborne.
1: And with him we get to talk about Romans 5, verses 12 to 21, the Tower of Babel, and Jacob's Ladder.
0: Great, let's get started. I'm Hillary Murphy.
1: And I'm Trevor Lovell.
0: And this is the Pastor's Cut with Dan Osborne.
1: Dan, good to have you here with us. Thanks, Trevor.
0: Yeah, Dan, thanks for coming in today. Question for you is, what is your favorite winter activity to do in the city?
2: Hmm, uh, nothing, <laughs> because I have three children who live three stories up, and so the monumental task of getting <laughs> them dressed down and to do an activity is insane. So what I do <laughs> what I do enjoy, I guess it's not really an activity, um, I actually really like winter. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I like when it gets dark early. Oh, for some reason, I think <laughs> mm-hmm. it's because it feels like I have put in a really long day, and <laughs> then when I'm walking home, it's only like five o'clock. Yeah. Uh, but I really enjoy going down down into the loop mm-hmm. and getting a coffee, walking around. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things to do in the winter, particularly. Fun. So, yeah. 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 Ah. It's kind of a strange thing. I, it's not. Anything magical, but it's fun being around people. And as an introvert, I don't have to talk to anybody. I can just <laughs> kind of watch all of this stuff Good people unfold. Watching. And it reminds mm-hmm. me that I'm just I'm in something that's like like a hive. So, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah like that's it. really cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, I'll that try cool. that sometime. Yeah. Hey, so Dan, you preached at Forest Glen and at Norwood Park this past weekend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you give us a quick recap of your sermon?
2: Sure. So Romans chapter five, the second half, I think is one. It it's very closely tied to what Paul has been saying all through chapter five. I know we we mm-hmm. split them up, but really, uh, he is he, he's just continuing in the same line of thought. So he's talking about the the benefits that we have as followers of Christ, yeah. having been justified. And so okay. I kind of started this sermon like looking back at some of the things Paul has talked about in chapter five. We. Uh, you know, got to this climactic moment in the letter in verse one, where he says, therefore, uh, uh, we have been justified uh, mm-hmm. by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and reminded our folks that, okay, th- this, is, this is the free gift that God has given to us. He's given us his righteousness yeah. uh, in the act of justifying us. And the way I defined it for our folks was uh, to be justified means God sees you as good, right, and pure. So, like, it Mm -hmm. talks about how God actually sees somebody Mm -hmm. uh, and what he has done for them in giving his righteousness to them. And the big point is that it's a free gift. It's not something you have to Mm -hmm. entice out of God or, uh, you know, live a halfway decent life for a long enough stretch of time where he finally, you know, uh, gives in and, and, you know, grants you righteousness. No, it's a free gift for Mm -hmm. for anybody who would have faith in Jesus. Now, one of the things we've done on the Northwest side is we've been uh read not redefining but talking about faith differently mm-hmm. up there so it's kind of one of those intangible words mm. that I think we use all the time so the the way I've been talking about it is in terms of allegiance so really what we have uh with Christ is we we are professing our allegiance to him and to him alone and it's through that process that we were justified. Anyway, you get into the, the, the verses; Paul's just going on more of the, the benefits of having been justified. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the question behind everything that he says in the second half of the uh, of the chapter is: How is it that the actions of one person can have such a sweeping effect on humanity? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like what what is it about? Jesus' life and death and resurrection—like, how does that? How does that have any bearing on anyone else's life? Mm-hmm. That's to me, I, as I understand it, that's the question, uh, kind of in the backdrop of what he's talking about. And so, to yeah. answer that question, uh, he goes into the life of Adam, because mm-hmm. Adam's like the the prime example of mm-hmm. somebody whose life uh, ha- had enormous consequences, and as mm-hmm. Paul sees, it, it affects everybody. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So we spent some time, you know, particularly looking at verses 12 through 14. Paul spends a lot of time talking about Adam. Mm-hmm. And the big point that I was making is that Adam is like our representative, he's the representative mm-hmm. of humanity. Uh, the analogy I, I used uh, and borrowed this from R.C. Sproul, mm-hmm. I used it a while ago. Uh, but he said, don't think of Genesis 3 in terms of, you know, uh, you know Adam and Eve go to, and they are not supposed to eat from a tree, but they eat from it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, reimagine it. And imagine God said, uh, th- there's this pit. Don't jump in the pit, mm-hmm. Right. And we, then, uh, of course, what they do is they go and jump into the pit. Right now, they can't get out of the pit. They can't live the way that God's created them to live inside the, the pit. They've been designed to flourish outside of this thing. Mm-hmm. But now they're there. They're inside mm-hmm. the pit. They can't get out. And everybody who comes from them is born already into that pit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in a sense, it's, it's mm-hmm. Adam's actions that have you know an effect on everybody. Whether or not you like it, whether or not uh, you directly did anything, uh, we are all all of humanity already born into uh, the pit and yeah. in, into this, uh, into the pit. So.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, cause you hear that question sometimes, well, how, how could someone, I'm uh, talking about Jesus, how could someone who died 2000 years ago, how, why does that have anything to do with me? Yeah. Um, yeah, but when you start with Adam and frame it in that way and you say like the situation, this is a situation you're already in mm-hmm. and, uh, and Jesus comes into the midst of that. Um, yeah, well, that's it's good stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. really powerful, mm-hmm. tangible example.
2: Yeah. So then of what, course I did talk about Jesus and how he is the better Adam. Did you stop there? Yeah, yeah. Uh he is the one who brings us out of the pit. Uh and I used a lot of language of, you know, he he is the anti-curse that mm-hmm. Adam he he reverses the chaos that Adam uh brought forth in in his mm-hmm. disobedience. He's the one who is able to bring us bring us out of the pit. So
0: Awesome. So what got cut?
2: Uh a couple things got cut. Um you know, I I had was using this analogy, you know, again with with the pit and mm-hmm. trying to figure out a way to uh, to talk about how how does how does Jesus actually bring somebody out of the pit? If that was the paradigm I was using, uh, and you can actually make quite a few. Uh, mistakes, like mm-hmm. theological issues you can uh, bring up if you don't use this analogy right. So yeah. you could say like uh, Jesus kind of helps you uh, out of the pit, just like pulls you up. You could say something like, you know, he uh, he shouts instructions on how you can eventually find your way, way out or, you know, or is yeah. it like, you know, one of those uh, toy vending machines, you know, with the claw that goes around and like... Plucks somebody out and pulls them out. That might be a very reformed understanding <laughs> yeah. of it. Uh, but the the imagery that I used is that Jesus actually gives his body uh, to be like a ladder. An interesting uh, mm. thing mm. that I had to cut is yeah. when Adam and Eve take the fruit or when they jump in the pit. Yeah. What they're looking for is to be like God, right? Mm-hmm. They're looking. They are mm-hmm. looking for uh, a version of life that is far mm-hmm. greater than what what they have right now. And the way that Jesus deals with that is by giving his life. So while, mm. while Adam was looking for it, Jesus willingly gives his life. Mm. Um, yeah. But I talked about how he he gives his body to be like a ladder mm-hmm. for us, which, I don't know, could be borderline cheesy, but I actually think it fits <laughs> with uh, some some bigger biblical passages, especially when you look through the book of Genesis. So I didn't get to yeah. get into any of this. So if he's if Paul's got in mind Genesis, mm-hmm. right, uh, what you have – Later on, as you have this, uh, you know, Genesis chapter 11, you have the Tower of Babel, where people's expressed desire is to make their way back up to God, mm-hmm. right? They're yeah. trying to build this tower mm-hmm. to establish themselves back up into the heavens. Yeah. Uh, and so it's just the, this theme of people trying to build themselves up. Well, you can kind of throw that in the the pit analogy, right? They're trying to build themselves mm-hmm. up out of the pit then later on you have uh Jacob's dream Jacob's ladder mm-hmm. uh, his dream you know where he is seeing angels descending and ascending um from from heaven and I think uh, Christ is the picture of the true and better ladder right mm-hmm. like we talked about this in the Advent series yeah. uh, that we did uh this you know that the whole dream is pointing to the one who will make it possible for men to descend back up into a uh, mm-hmm. relationship with the father Jesus actually embodies that I think in the um in the gospel as he is he mm-hmm. is now the means by which our relationship with God is restored. Mm-hmm. So I think that, yeah. in that latter illustration is, yeah, it can kind of be cheesy, but it actually fits with a greater theme in Genesis of how yeah. God is restoring people to himself.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, those are some good connections. Yeah. What else got cut?
2: Um, you know, there was a, it didn't fully get cut. I would have liked to explore this a little bit more, but, you know, as I was talking about people being You know, Christians, we understand that we are all affected by sin. All of humanity is affected by sin. And yet, you know, at the same time, we're often surprised by sin. Mm. I think one of the authors, N.T. Wright, talks about the new problem of evil is that we're surprised by evil. Mm. And It's even here, right? Every worldview, yeah. every religion has to give some kind of explanation mm-hmm. for what's wrong with the world. And you know, Christians, we look to the scriptures and we see that it, that sin has affected everybody. That's kind of Paul's point: death reigns over all people, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and it like we we shouldn't be surprised by sin, especially our own sin. I think this is one of the traps that a lot of Christians fall into: is we 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 think that we are somehow above falling into sin again, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, marriages, like there is there is no sense in which uh, a Christian couple should believe that they are somehow above marital issues or mm-hmm. like an affair is off the table. I would never do something like that, mm-hmm. right? Like the, the history of Christianity is filled with people who did things they never thought they would ever do. Yeah, right. so, you know, as a pastor, I've watched and read a lot of stories in the last two years of prominent, pastors in the Chicagoland area who have fallen Mm. morally. And this this is nothing new, right? This has happened Mm -hmm. for centuries. Uh, And when I used to hear stuff like that, I would think, Mm. don't these guys know what they're throwing away? Like, Mm. how would they get into that kind of stuff? Uh, And more recently, I've taken this perspective of just like, wow, that that could be me. Mm. Mm. Like that I am not above doing that, and so kind of you know the desire is to build in safeguards into my life uh, yeah. not because I think I'm going to go down that road, but because mm-hmm. I know I'm profoundly capable of doing that mm-hmm. um, and I think as christians we got we have to understand that we we have this uh a pretense to, this proclivity to go back into. Mm-hmm. Uh, sin that's why Paul is going to tell us he's going to tell believers in Romans chapter six and then you know later on Romans chapter 12 that you, you do not need to submit yourselves uh, to the reign of sin in your life mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we have to keep coaching, telling ourselves that and proclaiming the gospel in our lives because we, we're going to like our heart is going to want to pull back in that way mm-hmm. yeah. right so it, I wanted to spend more time there. I had to yeah. cut a lot of it, but I think it's a powerful reminder that you get from from the passage.
0: Yeah. And as you mentioned earlier, even with the pit example, we're all born in this pit. We start there. Yep. We are born with this sinful nature. And you already talked about your kids earlier. I know you have young kids, but as a father and you, you see your kids have that natural sinful nature, you <laughs> didn't teach them how to lie or steal, or I don't know what your kids do, yeah, but uh, they're how you... are
2: <laughs> and terrible.
0: <laughs> how do you, as a father, how are you starting to teach your kids about the sinful nature and how do you hope to continue to do that as they grow up?
2: Um, well, on one level, we um, we call out sin in our kids mm-hmm. when we see it. So mm-hmm. when Evelyn uh, lies to us, which she does all the time because she's three and a half, <laughs> we, we talk H. about like, hey, this is sin and sin, uh, it hurts us and everybody around us. Mm-hmm. So instead of like just yelling at her for doing that, like we try and get down on her level and explain mm-hmm. how that affects you know, the, the rest of the family and that if, you know, if she gets a consequence for it, like time out or, you know, we take away a toy or something, mm-hmm. um, we we help, help connect the dots that, like this is what you did. This is, this is the consequence of what that was. Um, actually, I, you know, I brought this up as an example in my message with, mm-hmm. with, with our kids. Like nobody, nobody has to teach, nobody has to teach kids how to sin. We have to teach them how to be obedient, not, not mm-hmm. disobedient. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, the reality is this kind of flies in the face of so much of uh, the the current cultural view on on humanity. Like we we mm-hmm. tend to think people are basically good. It doesn't match up with reality.
0: Yeah,
2: it yeah. just does not match up with reality. I told the story of Malik, my son Malachi. Mm-hmm. He's one year old, and he was or just over one and a half. And on Christmas Day, Evelyn was putting together a puzzle for the first time, putting together all the puzzle pieces. It was her first, like, big girl puzzle. Mm. And she's matching up the picture that she sees in the box with the big pieces and starting to get frustrated because she can't find all the pieces. And then I started watching Malachi, and she couldn't find the pieces because when she wasn't looking, he was stealing them and hiding them (laughs) around the house. Uh He's one and a half. Like, his heart is desperately wicked. Right? Like, I didn't teach him to do that. Courtney didn't didn't teach him to do that. He's just... Mm -hmm. There's something inside of him, uh, right? And and if it is going to show (laughs) up in those small areas in kids' Mm -hmm. lives, it's not going to go away when we get older. It just gets more destructive Mm -hmm. as we get older.
1: Yeah. I'm glad we have this recorded for him as he gets older. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. At, at Forrest Glen, I showed a picture of him uh-huh. smiling and happy. And I said, don't don't be fooled by this man.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, this he, man. <laughs> <by> this <laughs> one and a half year old. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. There was something I wanted to ask you about. With with this passage, it gets into the, the subject of death a little bit and talking yeah. about how um, death has reigned over all of us since since mm-hmm. Adam and Eve um, you know jumped into the pit in, in that yeah. um, line of thinking um, and pastorally death is something that um, that i 'm sure you have to deal with and talking uh, people kind of through situations like that and 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 I know a fear of death is something that a lot of people fear uh, feel and so how how do you talk to someone who is struggling with a fear of death it
2: 's a good question i think I think it entirely depends on where they're at spiritually right like this this passage basically forces you to ask the question or or come to the conclusion that there's two ways to live the the way of Adam or the way of Christ one leads to death, one leads to life mm-hmm. and so when you're having this conversation, you know when I have a lot of family not believers so if we talk about this, it's going to go in a very different direction I think yeah. um, I one of the things that I would point to quickly is that uh, for believers, death is a reality. It's not the final word though. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's, I think, a natural, healthy fear of the unknown, but the hope that we have in Christ uh, is far greater than the fear that we should have in death. And and Mm -hmm. Paul actually makes that connection uh, Mm -hmm. when you're looking at the passage. Uh, He says it in... uh, Verse 17, he kind of gets maybe at a, a longer section. I'll just read it. He says this, For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. And I think one of the the points that he is moving towards in this whole chapter Mm -hmm. is that for as certain as death is, like as certain Mm -hmm. as it is that, you know, this is the natural course that humanity will follow, even more sure can you be as a believer that Mm -hmm. that God's grace will meet you and you will reign in eternal life Mm -hmm. uh, through the promise of of the gospel. Uh, and so I, I think ultimately for Christians, the the certainty of death is nothing compared to the certainty of eternal life that we will have mm-hmm. in Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's the force of of yeah. what uh,
1: which is a pretty it. incredible thought. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah,.
2: Uh-huh. yeah. I, beyond that, I, there's not a whole lot, I think you can say. Uh, even, you know, pastorally, I'm not sure it's, I'm not sure people are always looking for an answer when they talk about the fear of death. Yeah. Um, I think they're looking for people who will sit and talk with them and over the course of the long haul, be able to point them to scripture. That's encouraging. Yeah. Uh, But not, Mm -hmm. there's not like a one soundbite, I think, Mm -hmm. um, that people are even asking for even (laughs) when they ask for it, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's good
2: what would you say you talked about it
1: yeah (laughs) that's probably why you asked the question (laughs) yeah i was just waiting for you to finish like you give my answer (laughs) no um yeah i think i talked about a little bit of a different situation that was um one of one of the things i talked about was this idea of uh, as a young parent um being afraid of death not because of you, you know like i faith in the resurrection, believe that that's certain, looking forward to the life to come. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thought that if I was to die, what's gonna happen to my wife? What's gonna happen to my kids? You know, them growing mm-hmm. up without, mm-hmm. uh, without a father, um, mm-hmm. you know, and thinking of the, like the, the pain and, and what kind of the impact that that would have upon them. And in uh, going through the prep for the sermon, I, I think I realized that that's actually a pretty common fear. That that's not a unique thing, that, that a lot of young parents feel that. Um, and what was reassuring, what is reassuring is the idea that, um, you know, God uses me in the life of my family and He uses them in my life, um, but ultimately He's our shepherd. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. He He's the one caring and providing for all of us. Yeah. And if even if I was to go um, early, if I was to mm-hmm. die sooner than expected or hoped for, uh, I can trust that God has them and that He'll provide for them mm-hmm. and, and care for them. And it'd be painful, but... You know, but he has them, yeah. So you can rest in that, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is why I think Paul makes such a big deal about suffering in mm-hmm. Romans chapter five and onward, right? He says because of your justification, you have peace with God, uh, and you can rejoice in your suffering, yeah. right? Yeah, because of the you know th- th- there's that that is a profound idea that uh, you know in Christ we we can look to our greater Shepherd who will meet us uh, in the midst of suffering.
1: Yeah. Well, Dan, thanks for being with us today. This has been great. Yeah. Thanks for having me again. Mm -hmm.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Join us again next week as we continue our Roman study and dive into Romans chapter six.